So we've got a nice, easy topic this morning for the first time here. We're, we're thinking about holiness this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible with you and you wanted to open up Philippians 4, that would be really handy. If not, I'll read it to you and it, it may appear momentarily on the screen. But yeah, we're looking for Philippians 4 and then verses 8 to 9. It's like a little race, isn't it? Who's going to get there first? Probably you guys. So it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's a good verse, isn't it? So this morning, we're thinking about holiness, but before we get stuck into that, there are two things that I would like to talk, well, I'd like to get over with. So sinfulness in this world, I think, it's, it's universal, but it isn't natural. When we think about our lives, when we think about our lives with God, There's sin in this world, but it isn't how it was meant to be. If you go back in your minds or in your sort of Sunday school days, we're thinking about Adam and Eve and how they were built to live with God and how their life became sinful. And that that gap between God started. So sinfulness is universal, but it isn't natural. There's a there's a verse in 2 Peter 1, 3 to, 5, uh, 3 to 4 that says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, for our knowledge of him, who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We aren't meant to be sinful creatures. God never designed that for us in mind. He didn't have that future for us. So I believe, fundamentally, that we are here to bridge that gap. Through knowing Jesus, through living lives close to God, we are less sinful than we were before because of Jesus. Are we happy with that? Yes. I've got some nods. Maybe. The other thing is that holiness isn't anything new. When we look at the Bible and the person of Jesus, there is somebody that has gone before us, somebody that has struggled through it, somebody that has been our mentor and our model for living a holy life. Are we happy with that? Good. Right, we can crack on then. But not yet. Holiness makes a real difference to our lives. You might be thinking, Danny, this is really nice talking about holiness, but it sounds really hard work. It sounds a little bit weird and scary. Is it worth it? Does it make a difference? In people's lives in this congregation, in my life, I've known that times where I focus specifically on God, when I thought to God, I want to spend this moment focused entirely on you. I want you to be my 
my purpose in this moment. God has done amazing things. Is that true for some of us here today? In in 1872, this is going a while back, I don't think anyone was at this conference, but there was a conference, and there was a conference called The Promotion of Scriptural Holiness, and it was in St. Aldens, and it was done by Christopher Cannon. 1,500 leaders went to that conference. The next year, off the back of that conference, there was a conference that some people may have heard of, and it was called the Keswick Convention. And from that, it was sort of a boiler house of evangelism. And from that, it was a birthplace of American Pentecostalism. That's a hard word to say. It was the, the sort of starting point for the Welsh revival and a revival in East Africa. God works through people who commit their lives to him. Now we can get going. So I think this verse is asking us to pursue holiness. And I can't really talk about this verse without pulling in another verse. Now, I'm doing a little bit of jumping and hopping, but um, I'll read it out to you. You don't have to find it yourselves. But Matthew 16, 24 to 25, I think it's saying a similar thing, but I like the imagery a little bit better. So we're going to jump across to this one. It says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what should a man give in return for his soul? I'm being a little bit selfish when I pick this verse because it means quite a lot to me. When I was thinking about what we call calling, so when I was thinking about what I was going to do with my life, whether I should go and work for the church. This verse stood out to me. Um, I was a little bit younger back then. I'd just got uh, my offers from university. I'd worked relatively hard at school, and I put in my offers, and Emma's shaking her head. I said relatively. (laughs) Not relative to Emma, but relative to my siblings. I worked worked hard, so I didn't work hard, but I got five offers from university, um, which I will still hold on to. I got my five offers, and I was was at a point in my life where I felt that God was saying, do this, and I was thinking, I'm not sure. So a little bit of background to me. I, I tried relatively hard at school. I got my five offers, but previous to that, I'd also said to my parents, whenever they said, Danny, what do you want to be when you grow up? It wasn't I want to be a Baptist minister. It was, I want two things when I grow up. I want a job where I earn a lot of money, and I don't want to talk to people. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I don't go home and cry about this job every night. That's That's not where I'm going. God fundamentally changed my life. He changed my priorities. He changed what I thought my purpose was. The route that I was looking at was was obviously slightly different. It would have been one where I, I wouldn't have used the gifts that God was given me, had given me. I would I would have the opportunity to be a fairly invisible Christian. I wouldn't have to have focused on my faith and applied it to my work. I could have been somebody that maybe went to church 
twice a year and their faith didn't have an impact. For me, God was saying, you need to use this. It needs to have a, an effect on my life. For me, I needed my faith to have a purpose. And I know there's lots of people here whose faith has a purpose in their job. Do not all quit your jobs and become Baptist ministers. For me, God wanted to know if I was prepared to give up my desires. And that's where we go back to this verse, isn't it? It's asking us to focus on him. It's asking us to be a little bit less of ourselves and more like him. It's about giving him sections of our lives, or all of our lives, hopefully, for him to take control of, for us to say yes. Our ambition needs to be rooted in relation. Oh, I had it on the screen. There you go. Can you see that? You can see that. You can see that. Our ambition needs to be rooted in relationship. There is no point demanding all these things, saying, God, I want to be holy. If we don't have that relationship with God, you can't dig big holes if you are a little digger. Second thing is control, uh, control your thoughts. So in the verse it says, think about such things after it's gone through the desiring things that are, that are holy, that are pure, and stuff like that. Jesus, Jesus often referred to the church as holy. If you go through your Bible, there's a brilliant verse in Ephesians. He refers to the church as something that is holy. Um, the apostles in the Bible, if you look through some of their teachings, they, they encouraged a, a lifestyle that was built around holiness. Should we have a break for a bit of etymology? I love this. So we're going to look at what the word holy means. Um, just a side note. So the use of the word that, holy that we use today is sort of mixed in Latin. I'm looking at Peter. We don't know. Okay, I'm not going to Greek. But the word, the word of holy, or the way that we use holy today, is, is slightly mixed with Latin. And it's mixed with the meaning saint or saintly, maybe. I mean, I didn't have Peter on hand. He was on holiday. So I referred to Google and my Bible. I'm trusting those. But it refers to something that's saintly and holy. And I think if we're thinking about holiness, if we're thinking about that, to refer to it as something that is saintly or saint-like is quite interesting because for me saintly is just that that little bit closer to god we're baptists we don't really like saints do we but it's that little bit closer to god so when we think about our actions being saintly their actions are a bit closer to god's actions when we think about thoughts that are saintly their thoughts are a little bit closer to god's thoughts and when we think about our priorities how we how we spend our resources how we live with other people how we love other people as being saintly, they're all that little bit closer to how God would act in those situations, how God would spend those resources, how God would love other people. But it isn't about faking it until we make it. We often hear that phrase, don't we? You've got to fake it till you make it. And if that digger picture taught us anything, it's that that, that won't work. We do these things firstly because we want to do them. We do them because we know that through doing them we have a better relationship with God. It's not from a legalistic 
perspective. It's not a, a big set of scales. It's not so that we can have our life as holy and we go through it and we go, well, that action was holy, but that action maybe wasn't holy, so I've got to do another holy one. Or it's not about living a holy lifestyle so that people can see that you're visibly holy and you are better than them. It's about living a holy life because we know that through pursuing that, we see more of God more often. But controlling our thoughts can be really hard, can't it? Really hard. And I'm going to be real with you this morning, and sometimes I find it really hard to control my thoughts, um, and particularly when it comes to cheese. Um, you got excited then, didn't you? You thought I was going to say something else. Um, I try and not eat things that come from animals, because I do. Um, but... Cheese is my downfall. Um, Cheese, and also if Emma's left half a tub of Ben and Jerry's in the fridge and she goes to bed, um, but mainly cheese. And I've been known on occasion to... to, uh, It seems to be a habit, actually. Wait until Emma's gone to bed, and sometimes I will have a little bit of cheese. Or sometimes, if it's Christmas, and there's a cheese board in the fridge, something like that, maybe sometimes I've stood with the fridge door open and a knife in one hand, and just tried a bit of each one, or a cheese and bean toasty. You can't get better than a cheese and bean toasty, can you? You can't. <laughs> this is not, it's not a democracy at this point. But, but when, I, when I started to eat less, uh, less animal things, it was this that played in my mind, and it was this, and in my head it had to be an all-or-nothing thing. Um, and other people around me thought it had to be an all-or-nothing thing. So I thought, well, there is a loophole, nighttime fridge raids. But it's not, it's not about that. And when we think about our life, and when we think about holiness, and when we think about having holy thoughts, it's not about doing it 100% or not at all, which can really often be our default setting, can't it? And that, that's hard when it's a big thing. It's hard to say, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to fail, Sometimes we go, it's a big thing, I'm going to fail, I'm not going to bother. Ultimately, holiness is perfection. Holiness is God. When we think about holiness, when we think about what that word means, Jesus is holiness. God is holiness. And it's, it's him that we're aiming at in our lives. We're trying to live lives that are more like Jesus. We call ourselves Christians, little Christ, or people that are trying to emulate or copy the life of Jesus for our own actions, for our own lives. In Isaiah 6, verse 3, um, it says that they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We've got a song like that. But holiness now, as we see it, is the gap between us and God. Sometimes it can be a gulf, can't it, between us and God. But he is true holiness. That was on there as well. I'm very sorry. Third point. Focus on good things. You guys got me um, a lovely Bible for my induction. It happens to be covered in leather. Um, but 
We'll skip over that bit. And, and in this Bible, it's got some, you might have one as well, it's got parallel verses. Has anyone got a Bible that's got parallel verses? Has everyone got phone Bibles? Well, I used to be a phone Bible person, and I've gone back to the, the early 1900s, and I've got my paper Bible, and it's got parallel verses. And the parallel verse for the last part of verse 8, where it says, uh, it says, or it, the, the, the part that we're linking to is the verse, uh, yeah, end of verse 8, where it says, excellent or praiseworthy. It's linked it to this verse in Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I think it's a brilliant way of describing the power of our words, isn't it? Is everyone thinking about a crunchy bar right now? But we know from, from other verses in the Bible, if you flick over to James 3, or there's some, some other verses in the Bible that talk about the power of our words. And sometimes we use the, the analogy of a rudder on a ship. It's really small, but it moves such a big thing, or, or a bit in a horse's mouth just being a flimsy bit of metal, um, but moving something that can pull massive amounts of weight. Our words have an impact on, on other people. But what about the words that we, we feed ourselves? What about the words that go on in our head? When it says, think about things such as these. If we know that the words that we say to other people are damaging, what about the words that are, are rattling around in the back of our heads? Imagine the damage that they're doing to us, saying over and over and over again, and God's saying, don't think about these things. Think about good things. Because our thoughts influence our actions, don't they? They, if, we, if we fill our mind with bad things, sometimes we can feel ourselves slipping a little bit further away from God. Sometimes, sometimes that really happens, doesn't it? For me, um, one of the things that I notice has the biggest influence is podcasts. Um, when we, we used to live near London where people don't talk to each other, and I used to get through a lot of podcasts. I had a whole list on my phone, so I'd listen to them on my way to work, I'd listen to them on the train, I'd listen to them while I was pottering around the house. Um, I don't listen to so much of them sometimes when you go on holiday and you get out of routine, or maybe you're just with people and it's polite to talk to them and sit with headphones in. But anyway, for me, I noticed that had a real difference what I fed myself with. Because more often than not, if I had 20 minutes, I'd put on a funny one rather than listening to a sermon because you don't have to think as much at those ones, do you? And it's, it's about what you're feeding yourself. I'm also somebody that can quite happily, uh, I call it bumbling through life because um, it, it just sounds better. But I can sometimes, or in the past, I was quite good at starting Sunday with the best of intentions and thinking, I'm going to be really intentional, I'm going to be really present, and then you get to work on Monday morning and you just follow the reminders on your phone. You follow that, you've got to leave in 15 minutes to get to this appointment in time. You follow the to-do list that's saying, you need to email this person, you need to go to that person's house at night. You follow the things in your head going, you need to do vision and all of these things. And then you get to Sunday evening and you breathe a sigh of relief and you start again. And, and I was challenged by my mentor at college to stop. Um, 
I don't know whether Emily had the same thing, but they were a really big fan of silent reflections in my year. Yes, they still were. And, and I got challenged to do this, to build this into my life, to spend some time just focusing. What has God done in your day? What has God done in your week? What has God done in your month? Focus on things that are praiseworthy. Focus on things that are pure. Because within this role, you get to see amazing things. You get to see God at work in people's life. You get to see people connect with God for the first time. You get to see God at work in this world. And it becomes your normality. And that's sad. Not sad that it's happening, but sad that you're not excited by it. Sad that you're not encouraged by it. So anyway, I started a little journal, and, and now I have a little alert that comes off on my computer once a week, and I write something down. And I've got a few of them, but I thought I'd share one with you this morning. So it was one of my, my last days at uni, um, and I was bumbling in on my motorbike, and um, somebody drove into the side of me, and they... They put a hole in my motorbike, which is the saddest thing. Um, they snapped the foot peg off and they stretched some ligaments in my leg. Um, I made it onto Bristol City Radio because I managed to close a road for a small period of time. But it was within that moment that I was supposed to be applying for jobs. If you're a Baptist minister and you're looking for a job, you get put on something special called Settlement List. Um, settlement List doesn't really do anything special, though. It's sort of a... Yeah. But anyway... Um, I was on this list, and I, I'd been hit by the motorbike. I know, I'd been hit by a car. I was on the motorbike. I told the insurance company that, anyway. But um, <laughs> it was in that moment, I was supposed to be applying for jobs. I just didn't feel like it. In between physio and church work, it just, just slipped my mind. And I went to do a training session for another church, um, their group of leaders on something, and they prayed for me at the end. And they prayed that I would find a church that knew they wanted me, and I would find a church that I knew I wanted. It was a nice prayer. We hear those prayers quite often, don't we? And we don't often think very much of them. And then two weeks later, I come out of a physio session. I've got a whack of phone calls, and that's not normal. And so I phoned them back up, and it was one of the ministers. And they'd, uh, somebody had phoned them asking for a reference for one of my interns. They'd applied for a job. But then they, when they looked at that person, they went, oh, they work with Danny. And we've seen Danny's name on the settlement list. Would Danny be interested in applying as well? And actually, if Danny did apply, he'll get an interview. So I applied, I got the interview, I got the job. And I spent the next sort of... I didn't realise, didn't make the connection until I was flicking through my journals and I go, oh, somebody prayed for me. And they said this, and it's happened. It's encouraging, isn't it? Not, not me and my life, but when we hear stories of God's at work, when we hear testimony, when we do the five questions here on a Sunday morning, we just get a little bit about what God is doing in someone's life. It's, it's exciting, and that's why it says it in the Bible verse. Not that one. That's why it says this, isn't it? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Because a holy church can influence an unholy world. 
We saw it in Jesus' life. And we can see it in our lives, can't we? Lives that are lived close to God are attractive to other people. You'll all have somebody in your, in your mind, maybe from, from when you were younger or maybe from somebody in this congregation that you know has influenced your life because they live a life lived close to God. There's, a, there's another verse that I really like as well. It's in 1 Thessalonians um, and it says this. May the God of peace set you apart for himself. May every part of you be set apart for God. May your spirit and your soul and your body be kept complete. May you be without blame when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Because it's not about putting on an act or a show. It's about a life lived in the struggle, a life lived close to Jesus. It's about being honest to share our testimony, to share our journey, to share our struggles with other people, to ask them to help us. It's about inviting God into your life to change it. So what I thought we could do in this moment is... um, I'm just going to put a song on. And I thought it would be really good if, if we excused ourselves for this moment to focus on God, to give him this space and say, what do you want me to focus on? What do you want me to let go of? What do you want me to grab hold of?
does God want you to hold on to? And what does he want you to let go of? Because the world isn't perfect. We, we know in our own lives that the world is broken and broken things don't fix themselves. But we know that, that through Jesus we are made perfect. We are made sinless. We are made right. And the more of our life that we give to him, the more we're made whole again, the more that we become who we were intended to be. Can I pray for us before we go into communion? Lord, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the reality that we live in, that, that through holding on to you, we can live a life that is holy, that we can see you at work in, in our lives, that we can live the life that you intended for us. And I pray for ourselves that, that in the struggle we will, we will cling to you, that we'll hold on to your promises, that we'll hold on to the, the glimpses that we see of you at work, at you changing our lives, that we'll keep chasing after you. Amen.